0: Welcome, everyone, to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here, joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And what an exciting and miserably hot weekend we just had in Southern California. And a little bit different than the beaches of Ventura in terms of temperature. I don't feel bad for you guys. I've been living it for the last three months. Uh, While it was 100 and something down there in SoCal, it was 110 up here, 113 yesterday. So... I don't even feel a little bit bad for you guys.
1: Right? <laughs> uh, no, it was hot. I mean, literally uh, doing the – I mean, on Saturday, it wasn't too bad because we were inside, right? Um, but on Sunday outside, I mean, we literally had two – we had four fans just designated to blow on equipment. Like, <laughs> and that would, not even trying to keep people cool, but like <laughs> – I'm sitting there. We're about two games in and I'm putting my hand on this equipment and it is burning my hand. And I'm like, oh no, Oh no! this is like just, just four more games, just three more games. (laughs) Just, just get, get through the pro invitational. Um, but it was hot. Um, but it was, it was, it was really cool. I mean, cool. It was, I mean, it was, it was hot (laughs) and it was fun, I guess. Um, There you go.
0: Hot and fun.
2: Yeah, it no. looked uh, it looked hot as balls. I mean, it was like <laughs> you've got you've got people sweating through like their week old Spencer McKenzie sunburn. You know, it was like a week yeah. old, but they're sweating through it. I mean, Whitney <laughs> Martinez, I'm like, why is she wearing black pants right yeah. now? I was like, yeah. that just looks crazy hot. But Smith did ditch the beanie at least for that yeah. event, but then he's wearing. He's wearing black socks in his slides. I'm like, man, here's an opportunity to air that stuff out, you know. <laughs> and then, I uh, actually,
1: I actually talked to Whitney as she was walking in. I was like, Whitney, what are you doing? And she goes, she goes, honestly, Trey, bad decisions were made. Bad decisions <laughs> were made. She, <laughs> Oops. she goes, I thought it was gonna be like Ventura. <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 when I got here, I was in for a rude awakening. So well, I'm Shamar Moore, that.
2: Shamar Moore came in for his interview. Black jeans, All black. black top, black shoes, black hat. I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks hot out there.
1: Yeah, style. but you know how he is. He's got to be style. I mean, he's, yeah, 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 yeah. he's got to look the part. He's got to look <laughs> the part.
2: I mean, he, uh,
1: no, it was, it was cool. It was It was really cool.
0: How long before the first person jumped in the pool after it ended?
1: So when I turned around, I got done. With, I don't know because when I turned around, I, I ended the stream. We started packing up the stream to get into kind of the, the after party and somebody was already in the pool. So, yeah. sometime when the the live stream was going on, someone said, "I'm I'm done. Enough. I'm going in the pool. Enough." Um, yeah, and it was it was so. I mean, the, we we went through so much water. I mean, once everybody kind of got enough hydrated and we got through the hottest part of the day, it started. You know, people started drinking some alcohol, but
3: it was uh,
1: it was a lot of water consumed in a very short period of time. Um, man. And house is house is beautiful, by the way. the The setup is is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's really perfect, exactly what it for what it is. I mean, okay. it's it's a cornhole little mini stadium, and we set up we had our own little broadcast perch, and we put all our equipment on yeah. there, and it was it was just a, an incredible experience. To be honest with you, Shamar was 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 great to work with, and he was just hyped up. He was excited as you can imagine david was out there. of the year yeah <laughs> uh, uh chuck Liddell made an appearance he tackled daryl Beiser into the pool so that oh, was that. fun <laughs> um yeah tiffany Haddish, the comedian she showed up she was throwing some bags um nice. she, she she was talking some smack too so
3: nice.
1: uh we had plenty of fun um and there was you know i think the players really appreciated it i mean I, I I even played a little bit. I played inside. You know, I I playing, I playing played full games inside his house. Like, just mm-hmm. inside his house. Tanner and Albert and I That's went 2-0. Then then Tanner went to go jump in the pool. Me and Eric Davis played. We went 2-0 again. I said, I'm Us, done. Oh. I went 4-0. And, and I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm getting out. out of there. <laughs>
2: <were> the <laughs> and, then I, and, then, and
1: then I said, okay, I'm not done. I'll go play some more. I played outside. I think I threw up two PPR. So I was like, all right, this is.
2: <laughs> I'm this an is, indoor cat.
1: Yeah, apparently. I'm apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, overall, uh, incredible, incredible weekend.
0: Awesome. So our winners for the pro invitational were Tony Smith and Kaylee Hunter. And for second, we had Jamie Graham and Sarah Cassidy. And, uh, it was really amazing to watch. It was also interesting because of the boards being so fast from the sun beating on them in dry conditions, which is what I'm used to, uh, here in California playing outdoors. Um, but then as the day went on, you saw the board on the one side as the shade started to, yeah, come over it <laughs> so which I thought was really great for that side for people to stand under because they had shade but not so great looking at it um half shaded half not shaded but um definitely some interesting conditions to play in but congrats to Tony and Kaylee uh what were your thoughts uh Trey on all of that promotional fun
1: yeah I thought it was just uh kind of a storybook ending for especially for Kaylee Hunter right I mean I, I said this on the air but it's worth saying again like Kaylee Hunter, if we if we talk about this entire, what was it? It was the road to Airmail City, right? I mean, we created this entire docuseries highlighting the path it took to get there and the grind that it takes and what happened, right? We went to, remember in Atlantic City, right? Atlantic City at the Cornhole Mania, Kaylee Hunter, she wins a couple games and, you know, the crew comes up to her and says, Kaylee, guess who you got next? And she goes, oh, Jamie, don't I? And, and 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 she's like, yeah, you got to fight Jamie. She's like, well, I got to beat him eventually, right? And she goes up, I think, 13-2 to in that game, but ends up losing like 21-15 or something like that. Jamie goes on a big run and, and, and knocks Kaylee out. So I almost thought it was a really cool full circle. The road to yeah. get to Airmail City, Jamie Graham kind of flexes on Kaylee, beats her, knocks her into the elimination bracket, but come all the way around, and we get to the finals – and who does Kaylee Hunter not only had to play but play directly against mm-hmm. yes and in significant other Jamie Graham and she got the best of them she played really really well um you know Jamie Graham and Sarah Cassidy went on a big run they looked like they they possibly had enough to win the entire thing and between Tony Smith's shot making ability and Kaylee Hunter's you know uh, ability to just be in a zone the entire time. She didn't make any mistakes. She took advantage when Jamie missed. She was smart. She knew when to lay up, when to go for it. Um, I thought it was just a really cool, cool thing to to see that happen. Um, You know, I guess the surprises, uh, you know, the big surprises were Josh Holland, Connie Altice, as well as Mark Richard, Cheyenne Renner, both losing their first games. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw from Whitney Martinez, her and Tanner Halbert obviously take down Josh Holland and Connie Altice, um, which I really didn't see coming, but you know, they they just played to a really high level. Um, so I, I was I was really interested to kind of see all those come together. And how about Yeti Irwan? Yeti Irwan was lights out, especially in her quarterfinal game. Yep. Playing against kind of the hometown heroes, the Brat Pack, Noah Almanza and Cameron Belvin, you know, Yeti Irwan played one of her best games, I'd say, of the season. Um, and for her to do it on kind of a broadcast court, it was kind of a modified broadcast court. Was 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 pretty cool to see. So overall, the the, the talent was really good. I thought it was a really fun atmosphere. You know, Shamar was in, engaged with David almost the entire time. You know, uh, interacting with people and um, overall, I just think it made for a great pro invitational.
0: Awesome. What do you think, Anthony, watching it from home?
2: Yeah, I agreed with the Yeti comment. <clears throat> so I'm I'm on the hook here, Trey. I, I kind of I reached out to Yeti and I was like, you know, I don't know Harry where Harry's at. Uh, we've got our state tournament coming up. I was like, but I'm looking for a, a partner because I don't play anymore, so I don't have a I don't have a consistent partner. I said, hey, I'm looking for a partner. If you are too, let's do this. So she hits me back and she's like, all right, let's do this. So now I gotta go. I gotta go get ready for state. I can't <laughs> let her down. So I gotta start squeezing some practice in. But um, yeah, the uh uh a couple weeks back, Trey, we were recapping the the European Open in Rotterdam, right? And Stacy had some opener in there that was kind of cool. It was like it was like hot damn or something. Hot well, damn, we we're in
1: Rotterdam.
2: Hot damn, we're in Rotterdam. So I was kind of reminded by that when Shamar Moore came out for his interview. So for those that don't know, right, we're in Aramel City in Shamar Moore's backyard this massive backyard and he opens up with this vision of where airmail city had come from i was dead i was dying and he opens up and he says i had a big old beautiful house i'm rich bitch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was dying. and then he closes it with we're getting drunk tonight and i'm like yeah. how am i missing this we're getting <laughs> drunk tonight so that that was the moment where i was like he, he looked like he was a good time did you uh did you get some time to hang out with him and all was he a, was he a pretty good time
1: Oh yeah, no. I mean, he was having a blast. I mean, he's he's it, it's it's a party when it, when it's out there, right? I mean, they and they and I'm sure they partied well into evening. I I got a little party, little party going, yeah. and I I was smart. I was like, look, I'm gonna party, and then I'm gonna get on my red eye flight, and I'm gonna sleep the entire oh. time. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect.
2: <laughs> okay, party
1: just enough to where I could sleep all the way on my red eye flight home, and then I was home yesterday. But I'm sure they were out there until probably two, three, four in the morning, knowing those oh, I guys. Bet. I mean, yeah, they, you... yeah. It, it, but it was really cool. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a great atmosphere, and I think it it became something that the pros, like a lot of the pros, like going into it, didn't really know what to expect. And then for the pros that got there, they were like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And I bet there's a good amount of FOMO for the people that weren't able to make it going. Dang it. I was I was that close yes. from getting there? Are you serious?
2: So, um yeah. Yeah, so my favorite part and you kind of touched on it a little bit was um was the decision for the matchup in that final, Jamie Graham mm-hmm. versus Kaylee Hunter and then Tony Smith versus Sarah Cassidy. Did you did you catch how that played out? Was it that just same, "Hey, I'm going to stay on my side cuz we're outdoors" kind of thing? Was that was that what was going on?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Cause I think Tony was throwing on the opposite diagonal side for the other games, if I remember correctly. So I think it was just one of those things where coin flip happened. They stayed on their sides. They wanted arm over, they wanted hand over and they just, they
2: just rolled with it. Just rolled it. Yeah. So it was that Graham Hunter matchup in particular that I was loving. So Graham's been dropping quite a bit of content lately uh, on his social media platforms. And, you know, these are kind of highlight reels and, and, the unfortunate part for Kaylee is typically when you're posting highlight reels, it's at the expense of whoever's in that highlight reel, right? So yeah. I told I told Kaylee, I was like, hey, good news, you're getting some of the best, you're getting some of the, the best reps you could get against one of the best in the world. Bad news is he's freaking posterizing you all over these highlight reels. <laughs> She's like, damn it. But this time around, Kaylee gets her revenge. You talked about she got the best of them. Check this out, Mish. Kaylee outscored Jamie nine to two from her side of the board in the championship match, matching Tony Smith's dominance on the other side. He killed it. They split 40 K let's go. Kaylee. I was excited for her just to kind of get a little revenge on, uh, on Graham, uh, on that case. So
1: me too. And I, and I got one more thing I want to say, kind of we going into this. So, we have, and I'm kind of previewing this because it's going to set the stage for the rest of the show, but the numbers are in, and we have the final pay total payouts yes. for all the individual players for the season. So we have kind of our top five highest paid players, and for the first time in history, and I think this is really cool for the sport as a whole, we have our number one player. Paid player in the American Cornhole League as a female. Cheyenne Renner is the highest paid player in the sport. She raked in $78,855 throughout the course of the season. Mark Richards was number two at $70,888. Eric Davis, $69,386. Jamie Graham, fourth, at 68504 And Josh Holland, fifth, $62,330. Nine players across the entire season took home over $50,000 in prize money alone, excluding excluding the Spencer McKenzie's
0: payouts. That's what so. my, my oh, yeah. next question was, was it, are you counting Spencer McKenzie's? Not
1: even including those, so it could have been. It's it's even more money for a lot of these players that that raked in some money there.
0: That's so cool. And what's super cool is like five years from now, we're gonna be like, can you believe we were excited about fifty? Like, because it's, it's gonna be so much more, which I just so, think is so cool.
1: So last year, the highest paid player, Eric Davis, forty four thousand dollars. Wow, seventy five percent increase from last year to this year on the highest paid, paid
2: player something to so. get excited about, something so to hit the boards and practice for. <laughs> it's almost falling in line with the overall increase in payout, you know. Yeah, if it, we're doubling payouts, we're almost doubling player player wins.
1: Yeah, and and you could argue yeah, it, it and it makes sense that what it was only 75% for the number 1 versus cuz you think about it, Eric Davis, he won the shootout. He was a top whatever player, and he won a he won an open. I mean, sorry, he won a couple opens, and he won a national in doubles. So like, he had a really good season, right? Mark Richards could have walked away with over a hundred thousand dollars, but it wasn't very top heavy with one single person. This was more of a flat year, whereas last year it was kind of, you know, okay. you had a few players that did really really well. This one was, like I said, a lot more flat. We had nine people get above 50 grand. That's, I mean, that's, that to me, that's a pretty significant number. So, I mean, if Mark Richards had come through and won everything, he could have been 160 grand and everybody else is 40 to 50 grand. It's just kind of how it ended up splitting.
2: Right. Right.
0: Awesome. Well, great job everyone. And we will get to the proof shootout in just a moment, but let's first bring on Mike from Morton corner and find out what he's got for us today. Welcome Mike.
3: Hey guys. Hey, I, I know you guys are, are, are dying to talk about that. So I'm going to just dive straight into the numbers that I kind of pulled this week. So it would be too boring. And I do want to point this out. I, the stats that I bring up, everyone is welcome to go look on iPlayACL.com. And the stats are out there. Um, what you do with the stats as far as manipulating and, and sorting and searching and all that kind of stuff is up to you but I know some people are interested in those numbers and not everybody realizes that the stats are out there. So um, yeah, I play ACL.com. You can find the pro stats. Just click on the pros, scroll down the page and you'll see their stats. But like I said, it would be boring if I were to just take the bland old stats and just throw some stuff out at you. So I have to play with them a little bit and manipulate them. So that's what I did this week. So Trey, if you want to bring the, the first slide up this what I did was I took your PPR ranking and your DPR ranking out of all the pros. And I wanted to say who was better at DPR, but really struggled with PPR. So who had the biggest gap between a really good DPR ranking and their PPR ranking. So this is the top 10 gaps between DPR and PPR. So, there's a couple names on there that leap out at me. I know Kenzie Beach is a very dirty player. Um, and Eric Davis, obviously. Um, it's a little surprising to see that gap though, but for Eric Davis. 21st in DPR, but his PPR is all the way down at 164. So um uh, less than middle of the road for PPR, but stupendous DPR for Eric. Um Guys, does any other names catch your attention on there before we look at the PPR minus DPR? I'm sorry, the DPR minus PPR.
2: I'm just trying to digest this a little bit. So, and I'm thinking of someone like like a Matt guy, right? So w- when we say PPR rank to me, I'm thinking, you know, who who had the who had a real poor? In this case, you're showing the bottom. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of high. These are the
3: better DPR players. The next slide is going to show the better PPR players that that didn't quite have a great DPR. I wanted to show the contrasting styles. So we talk a lot about strong PPR players, strong DPR players. Um, I just wanted to look at what players have the largest gap between the two. And And out of this list. DPR, but not PPR and vice versa.
0: Yeah, out of this list, and I'm curious to see the next one, you know, in terms of who made top 10, we have one, right? I'm curious, on the next slide, are you seeing more top 10 players with the reverse?
1: Well, I'm also... One a thing good I'm question. Also, <laughs> one, one thing I'm also, you know, I'll just point out here is that when you get into the middle portion, when you get in from, you know, your PPR rank of, I'd say, 90 all the way through 200, that differential between that 90th and 200th is probably not very much. You have a high – when someone's elite, right, the different – I through a stat out there one time, right, the difference between like Mac guy in first place and somebody in second place was the same as like second through 27th, right? right? So that middle range, you're really smashed together as far as your PPR goes. So someone could have just a couple percentage points or – not percentage, a couple – hundredths of a point off in PPR, which is really not that much of a difference. But if they're, their DPR is, if they're doing a lot better, I don't know, it might have a much bigger swing, I guess, which is why right. you might get some of these things. But
3: Yeah, so so the takeaway from this slide is is really there's 10 players there that had a gap of 80 or better. So let's go ahead and look at, uh, at the better PPR rankings that had a, a lower DPR ranking. And see if there's any names that may surprise you on here. So, in theory, these are players that just put the bag in the hole a lot, but their DPR isn't that great because their opponents are putting the bag in the hole a whole lot, too.
1: To me, this strikes more as bad luck.
3: <laughs> this is more, I of very a bad well,
1: luck. I think this is more bad luck, right? But again, we you have 10 years. Yeah, Trey Hunt was 35th in the entire pro division in PPR putting bags in the hole, and he ends up uh, 127th, which is probably pretty, you know, lined up with where he was in the pro division this season. To me, that that feels like bad luck. Mm
3: -hmm. Sure. Sure. I'm certain that's at least a part of what's going on here for some of these players.
2: Yeah, my initial um, thought is is these are going to be people who are going to keep the board clean. These are people who are going to be ch- who are going to be running bags. Their DPR is not going to be high. You're playing other pros who are running bags, too. Like, I'm surprised to see a, a Victor Glass on here. I mean, someone who has a pretty strong, dirty game. Now, now he may run bags as a, as a strat- strategy one and then play dirty off of that, but a Maya Cup doesn't surprise me. Allison Peters, slick side game changer chasing the hole. Trey Hunt, he's going to run bags. Rosie Streaker flipping over that carpet bag, going slick all the time. Those don't surprise me. Right. Victor Glass kind of does.
3: Yeah. So, so again, takeaway for this slide in general, there's 10 players that had a gap of 90 points in ranking or or, or higher. So pretty significant number of players. So now let's go on to, to the third slide. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to take our top 10 points players and singles and see how they fared in these categories. So the third slide is going to show you the top 10 players.
1: Looks like I only have two slides. You gave me a duplicate of the same one.
3: Um, all right. My bad. So, so here's the takeaway. Eight of the top 10 players in singles points only had single, dif- single point differentials. Oh, wow. So, they, they were ranked like one and two or two and seven, three and six. So my takeaway from this whole drill was consistency. And I think sometimes we, we hone in on, well, they're, they're a great PPR player. They're a great DPR player. And we're looking at their style and we're looking at their stat. But the reality is, if you're going to be a top 10 player, you are most likely in the top 10 of both of those categories. Unless you're you're, Eric Davis. Excelling in both. (laughs) And correct. Eric Davis was the one name that jumped off the charts. Mm -hmm. For PPR and DPR, the highest, the worst ranked player in the top 10 for either stat was 26th place. Except Eric Davis. (laughs)
1: He
3: was like 161st in PPR. (laughs) Yeah. So he he so just Eric Davis every it. statistical mold that, that we've we put together so far. So Eric <laughs> Davis is amazingly consistent.
1: Eric Davis yeah. breaks the machine. Yeah, yes. always. Yes.
0: Constantly. We're like we he can't do this, like that won't work in this shot. And then he does it. And you're like, I'm never mind, just don't try.
3: Right. Ridiculous. Yeah. But <laughs> consistent. I, the 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 takeaway just. Really has to be consistency. You had all of those players with the large gaps, and to a large extent, not very many of them were very high in the standings. If you had a large gap, if you were really good at one, but not really good at the other, generally speaking, you weren't really high in the point standings. If you were going to be up there high in the point standings, you had better be good at both, unless your last name is Davis.
0: (laughs) There's more than one Davis. Unless your name, yeah, your
1: first name can't be Brandon.
3: (laughs)
0: <laughs> gotta be careful with that one. all right that's very interesting we appreciate that mike thanks so much
3: all right take care guys all right
0: i feel like that is exactly how last week's segment went we went right into an eric davis conversation it's uh hard, <laughs> to, it's hard not to do that but uh before we get into his incredible win let's start out with women's pro shootouts which we had cheyenne renner take first and sam finley take second um Vanessa Fillingham, I thought, thought was really impressive um, in that as well. So, congrats to all the ladies. What are your thoughts on that, Trey?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the Cheyenne Runner show. Like I said, that forty thousand dollars <laughs> yep. propelled her into the highest paid player in the ACL this season. Um, she she was really really good, um, especially in the final. Right, her the only game in which I felt like she was a little bit human was that semifinal game where she played against Vanessa Fillingham and Vanessa took her to the brink, right? But I think that kind of just speaks to what kind of player Cheyenne Renner is and why she's earned that status, right? She comes out, she plays Yeti Irwin, dominates Yeti Irwan. I mean, while I was watching that game, through the first like four or five rounds, I think five rounds, she missed one bag. It was was outrageous. Um, Fell off a little bit at the end, but at that point it was – you know, thirteen to four with you know three rounds left. It just didn't. It just didn't matter at that point. And um, then she, but then she goes on and she has to play a game in which she's not throwing the best, but she's got to grind through it and she's got to make bags when she needs to make bags, and she did. And then in the finals, you've got to play against someone that so badly wants to beat you, and you have to go back to throwing really, really well again, and you just have to grind it out, and you know. Sam, I even talked to Sam Finley afterwards. I said, "Okay, Sam, no tears this time." She goes, "You know what? I'm not even that. I'm not even that upset. I mean, like I felt like I threw well. It wasn't like last year where I felt like I had the game and then she stole it from me. Like this time, I felt like I threw really well. Like if I, I she's like, I could have been perfect. Yeah, but Cheyenne didn't really give me any opportunities to to beat her." And I, I think that was, you know, a a testament again to Cheyenne. So I was really impressed by her. Um, You know, Vanessa obviously uh, played, played incredibly well. Um, And, and then Cameron Belvin was the other one that, that that played pretty well um, and had a good run at the tournament, but overall it's surprise, surprise. It's the Cheyenne runner show.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Anthony, anything you want to add?
2: Yeah, maybe I was just going to kind of describe this for those that that may not be super familiar. So the Pro Pro Shootout Championship, it's an eight-person bracket. So that's what we're talking about here, right? Eight people, and these eight pros, they've earned their way in by winning one of the eight play-in shootouts. So it's a big, basically a big payday opportunity for the pros outside of the normal pro season. So your final eight women, Cheyenne Renner, Rosie Streaker, Kaylee Hunter, Miranda Coy, Vanessa Fillingham, Samantha Finley, Cameron Belvin and Yeti Irwan. And what's cool is, I mean, we're talking that big payday. These eight ladies are going to dice up $100,000 in payouts in one weekend with everyone guaranteed 4K for dead last. So they're walking in knowing they're making 4K in $40,000 to the winner. So just kind of wanted to kind of scope that for everyone. And then you get the exact same thing for the men's singles. But yeah, just kind of walking through it a little bit. Round one of, of bracket play is huge because... It is a single elimination tournament. A first round win guarantees you fourth place, worst case, which means you now double your money and you're making 8K minimum. So it's actually a 4K match there to get to that next level. But yeah, the two upsets, you kind of talked about uh, that one. uh, The uh, Vanessa Fillingham gets Miranda Coy. To me, that was a bit of an upset there. Good job for, uh, for Fillingham. Puts 4K in her pocket. Samantha Finley gets Kaylee Hunter. I didn't really see that one coming. That one was really close. I mean, Philly Hunter, the match was five to four halfway through um, in that first five rounds of the 10 round limited. And then Hunter gave up a four and a five in back to back rounds. Now, if you're thinking first to 21, she's down 13 to five. She's not out in a first to 21. In round limited, if you only have three rounds left like she did, she's kind of toast. You know, she's attempting to force errors. Finley's not making the errors, and basically she just ran out of time in there. But in, in in round two matches, the stakes grow even larger. So what does that mean from a money perspective? So you're down to the, the final four women. Now everyone's guaranteed $8,000. A win in that round puts you at twenty dollars minimum. So essentially it's a $12,000 match. So I can imagine the pressure's growing a little bit knowing – one more win, now I'm guaranteed 20k. But um, uh, Renner gets filling them as expected. You talked about that one, Trey. It was close. It was eight to six for three straight rounds to finish that game. Eight to six, eight to six, eight to six. Closer than Renner expected, I'm for sure. And then the matchup Finley versus Belvin went as expected. I did expect it to be tight. I mean, both ladies—they've turned it up in the last half of the season. Both ladies putting up elite level play. And, man, was it close. I mean, as close as it could really be one of the best highlights of the tournament, Trey. I'm sure that you were loving that one, too. The matches tie at sixes in seven and eight. Belvin squeaks out one point in nine. So we're going into the final round. Belvin up one point. Finley is showing a seven on the board. And Belvin's in for ten. But Finley has a bag sitting at the three o'clock. One bag left in her hand. A bag sitting at the three o'clock. If she can throw an airmail and drag it, she gets two points out of their round off a of 1210 and she fires it and she hits it. I mean, I was just dying. I, what was it like there at that moment, Trey? I mean, what what was the what was the vibe like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was well, I think the most interesting part actually about it though, Anthony, was that the round before Jeff and I talked about this afterwards, right? Sam Finley threw the last bag of the round. If she had just laid it on the board, it's a wash, and we go into the last round tied. She threw that bag off the board, and obviously that's not what you want to do in that situation. You give Belvin the point. But Jeff and I were thinking more through it. Imagine if she doesn't throw that bag off the board. We go into that last round in the exact same situation. She's got a bag at the 3 o'clock. Does she shoot it? Right. Yeah. Because in that situation, if you slide it up and into the hole, then you get a wash and you go to overtime. But she right. didn't have that option. If she if she slides it up and in the bag doesn't go, the bag doesn't drag, she loses because she loses. now she's done, she's down the one point. So, in a way, retrospectively, knowing she hits the airmail for the drag. I think there's a case to be made. It ended up being better that she threw that bag off the board to motivate her to go after the bag. Ah, okay. Not knowing what would have happened I in the time.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Oh, go ahead, Anthony.
2: I was just going to say the key to that, Trey, really to me was the no hesitation. So mm-hmm. we know we know Finley's a rhythm thrower. As soon as Cameron's bag <laughs> dipped into the hole, she fired that airmail drag yeah. without thinking about it. And ba- I think if she took a step back, And took a breath. For her, she's now out of her play. I love that Mm -hmm. she fired it without thinking about it and hit it to move on to the finals. But in the finals, Finley versus Renner. Now we're talking 20K to the loser, 40K to the winner. And Renner did what Renner do. Renner Renner threw 12s and 10s every single round. Going into that last round, she was up. uh, She had a commanding lead 11 to 4. The last round, she didn't throw a 10 or 12, but her lead was so large. She played it safe. It's getting a bit repetitive, Mish. I mean, another women's championship for Renner. When is someone going to step up and challenge the best female bagger in the world, Mish?
0: I think it's coming. I've got I've got some ideas. Oh, and he's like mic drop. I'm out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <going on>. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's leaving us.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think some things will be changing next season. We will have to see, but let's roll into the men's pro shootout. Uh, first place was Josh Holland, and second place was Ryan Smith. And uh, Josh Holland was uh, not someone I would want to play. Like, he, <laughs> he, he, he just he gives you nothing. He gives you nothing. It's got to be so frustrating. But an impressive uh, game from him. What do you think, Trey?
1: Yeah, I mean, so Josh Holland did what Josh Holland do, as Anthony would say. So I mean, um, I thought honestly, yeah, the, the 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 better surprise for me was honestly Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith came in motivated, throwing really well. I mean, he wins his first game against Eric Davis, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, this is you know that good win, right? And then he goes up against Tanner Halbert, and you're saying to yourself, okay, he's not gonna he's not gonna beat Tanner Halbert, right? And then he beats Tanner Halbert, right? I, I kept saying to myself, I can't I can't believe this. And he goes into the final. It's close halfway through against Josh Hall. And I'm like, is Ryan Smith about to really do this? Right. I mean, it was the best showcase of Ryan Smith that we've seen that I think I saw all season long. So I was really impressed by him. I thought the biggest shock was, you know, not so much individually each game, but the fact that if I told you Alex Rawls and Jamie Graham we're both gonna lose their first game. I I would have been shocked. Frank Modlin handled Jamie Graham, handled him. Find a way, Frank just keeps finding a way yeah. to, to beat up on these guys. Um, you know, Holland gets the best of them though. He advances, but but in the end, um, yeah, Josh Holland, too consistent, too down the middle. There's just not much he can do when he's in that rhythm.
0: Exactly. Anything to add, Anthony.
2: Yeah, you nailed it, Trey. I would have lost a stack of cash if there was a bet that Graham and Rawls both lost in the first round. Yeah, if
1: you're parlaying How? that, that would have been that would have been a big payday on a parlay.
2: Big time. How does that even happen? I mean, you mentioned the model matchup. Graham was up seven to zero in the sixth round. Any, I mean, typically it's night night time. If you, Graham is up seven to zero in the sixth round, and you only have four rounds left. You're done. Modeling goes on an 11-0 run to take the lead, 11-7 going into the final round. Like you said, find a way, Frank. And he puts an extra 4K in his pocket with that win. Um, Halbert killed Rawls uh, in round one. He finished the game. He didn't even need round limited. He finished that one 24-6. to He puts 4K in his pocket. But then for Halbert, it all fell apart for him in the next match against Ryan Smith. He had a three, it was a three to two match going into round six in favor of Smith. Smith laid a perfect level one lane side block and Halbert could not get any of the the, the four bags that he chased that block at. Couldn't get it to work. Gave up a six in that round. And again, you go down big with only a couple rounds left. You're in trouble. So Ryan gets the, gets the dub there. Meeting, meeting Smith in the final. You mentioned it, Josh Holland. Holland gets humans in round one of, of the bracket after being down six to five with only two rounds left. He came back. Then he smashed Maudlin. He went into the final round up 11 to zip. Um, but me, I'm not really surprised. Most people might be like, Oh, you know, Holland, why did he win this thing? I mean, to me, we're talking about a national champion level talent who just hasn't won a national. I mean, it's mm-hmm. gonna, it's gonna come. The dude's consistently deep. He's always right there. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Mish? Surprise for Holland, or did you did you feel like that was a possibility?
0: Not surprised that he won. Surprised with what the final matches were. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's surprised. I mean, when when I turned on ACL Cornell TV and I heard Trey say that Graham and Rawls were out, I was like, "I'm sorry, what did I Wait, um, yeah. <laughs> rewind? Again. I'm sorry, I missed something. <laughs> like, like, what?" Uh, so that was surprising to me, but no, Josh Holland is, I, when I saw him playing Sacramento, I was like, I don't know. Like I said, I would never want to play him. It just seems so frustrating. He's so good. And now let's go into our pro doubles. We had a repeat win with Eric Davis and Brett Guy and uh, second place Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls. Um, and that was, I felt like really, not that it, not that everyone doesn't deserve it, but it just seems like Eric Davis and Brett Guy, finally, like that was really cool to watch. What do you think? drive
1: yeah let's 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 rewind a little bit we go into pro shootout number one okay brett guy and eric davis not having any type of good of 2022 season they make it all the way to the finals and they're getting spanked by dave sutton and jeremy frazier Mm -hmm. round number 10 of 10 they're down five right dave sutton's got first bag all he's got to do is coast home baby what happens? He throws the first bag off the board. Gonzo. Right? <laughs> right off the board. Puts another one to the right. Brett Guy four-bags it to send him to overtime. And Eric David Eric Davis wins it for pro shootout number one. Now let's fast forward here to the pro shootout championship. Trey Burchfield and Alex Rawls, they're coasting. They're stroking. They're doing everything that they can to win this entire championship, hitting everything possible. Going into round number 10, up by five, you got Alex Rawls, the number two player in the world. Nothing's happening here. This one's in the bank, right? First bag, yeeted straight off the back of the board. (laughs) Gone. All right? Everything gets muddied up, and you got Eric Davis having a hit. Not a push, not a penguin, not a bar of soap, not a a collect, but he's got to hit an airmail. (laughs) mail. To drag a bag to stay alive and probably the
2: one shot he didn't want. He hates airmail. He he
1: came up to me afterwards. (laughs) He goes, I hate, I can't believe I hit an airmail. I cannot (laughs) believe it. It's a game, uh, tying airmail drag, and that was the most emotion I've ever seen out of Eric Davis. I mean, he got fired up, fired up, hits the drag, sends it back down to Brett Guy. And, you know, I was talking to a couple of people afterwards. I was like, I I was surprised at at first. I was like, man, I was surprised that Trey couldn't, couldn't, you know, regain it to get it back together. And then, you know, I think I was talking to Tanner Halbert and he's like, man, you got to think about it though. He thought he won and he all of a sudden he thinks he's done throwing bags. And now he's got to throw another four bags. Like it just wasn't, I don't think he was in the right headspace, Right. And right. Mental focus, but you know, Brett guy and Eric Davis, I didn't, I wouldn't have picked him to win, but. I think the most interesting development of the off season Anthony is going to be all for the past two, three months. I've been hearing Brett guy, Eric Davis, not thrown together anymore. Right. right? Just I just, they they just not, not stylistically the best What you know, and and since they didn't have a great 2022, it's like, okay, this kind of makes sense now. Right. You didn't want to split up last year because last year you're, you're playing unbelievable, but it's like, you've now won two back-to-back pro shootout series next yeah. year. It's going to be the, called the guy and Davis series, right? Like, <laughs> we're just going to rename it. Yeah. Right. They made so much money in it now that they're, they're just going to take it. So for, for, for my standpoint, it's like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you do. Right. Do you stay together? I mean, uh, there were some great doubles matches. Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls were great all the way up until that last round. I really thought they were going to win the whole thing. Um, but in the end, yeah, I gotta give you know kudos to to Guy and Davis doing it again, in epic fashion.
0: And what do you think, Anthony?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna jump to the semifinals. I was really liking how the semifinals matched up because we had we had Davis Guy versus Windsor Wooten, and then Birchfield Rawls Smith Lopez. I thought those were really fun matchups. Um, the loss for Windsor Wooten, though, it came down to two shots late in the game. Two shots cost Windsor Wooten an extra $20,000. So Wooten's in position to score in round eight to take the lead. He shanks his third bag right off the back of the board and as soon as it left his hand he yells nope! You know you can see his eyes light up and then right behind that Windsor misses a critical third bag back block. We talk about how hard it is to hit a back block and how those are important. He was backing two bags. He missed it Guy comes right behind him and pushes both bags, a three-in-one pitch. It was the difference in that match. They were never able to come back from that. Um, The second semifinal match, Smith-Lopez and Birchfield-Rawls. Birchfield-Rawls had to hit two big shots to go into that final round. Rawls hit that nasty short airmail where, you know, he just lands right on top of a bag. And he piggybacked it into the hole, I think, um... Jeff McGarriger coined uh, coin a, uh, what was it, a push mail or something like that? A, Except uh,
0: that Damon Dennis wants us to mail. call it. A slide mail.
2: It was a he, slide mail.
0: He wants us to call it a rodeo. That's what
2: Damon Dennis uh, love that. So,
0: just saying. That's
2: good. I like that. I like that. Uh, but then Burchfield comes right behind Rawls, and he hit that fourth bag airmail. Um, fourth bag airmail, hit it clean, tied it going to the 12th round. Um, but Birchfield and Rawls ultimately win the sudden death. But in the finals, you kind of detailed that one a little bit. Um, down 11-6. That was, that, it was just unbelievable how that how, played out. But put it in monetary pers- perspective. You're up 11-6. Going into the last round, you can't tell me Birchfield and Rawls weren't counting 100K. I mean, they're <laughs> like, we got a wad of 50K just sitting right here in our pocket. Davis hits that shot. In my mind, I'm literally seeing Birchfield reach into his pocket and pull out thirty-two thousand bucks <laughs> and handing it over to Rawls. I'm like, oh my gosh, that has to be rough. Fifty k <laughs> in your pocket, gone. Uh, it was unbelievable how it ended.
0: Absolutely, it was an amazing end to an amazing season. But now we get to kind of look into what's happening for next season for our new rookie class. Um, so, who are some players that you want to look out for, Trey?
1: Oh yeah. Next season's going to be interesting, right? Yes. Um, when we looked forward to next season, you know, the, the rookie class will always be compared to the last two um, on paper. I don't think it'll be as strong, but I mean we were surprised this year with how good the rookies were coming into this season. It'll just be another opportunity to kind of showcase how deep the pro division can be. Um, when I look, Towards next season, I'm kind of looking again at people that I think are going to shine. Fisher-Hamilton probably leads that list. There's a lot of people out there. He already won an open in singles. He's won one in doubles as well with Gavin Cano, both pros next season. I really think Fisher-Hamilton has an opportunity to be a top 10 player, right? Kind of like a similar hype to Alex Hicks last season. I think Fisher-Hamilton comes in with a similar level of hype. Ryan Wiedenfeld is the top amateur from this season. He's going to come in with really high expectations. Probably an interesting pair of players, and I'm not sure if they're going to play together in doubles, but both out of the state of Texas, Logan Chamberlain and Justin Burton Jr. are two players I really have my eye on that can make a splash. They went really deep in advanced singles. They've proven that they've elevated their game to compete alongside the pro level. Excited to watch them. And probably my last one, and Anthony will go through some of his, is a local player out of Rock Hill that has has gone on big runs as far as PPR goes. He qualified through the pro qualifier and has shown a really high level of consistency at the regional and conference level, and that's Travis Purser. Interested yeah. to see how he competes and adds to another, uh, another spot in the deep, deep Carolina conference that just keeps adding more and more talent.
0: How about you,
2: Anthony? Who you got to watch? Yeah, I, I mentioned it on a previous on a previous show. We were talking about the rookie class, and I really want to emphasize the pool of carpetbaggers coming in as rookies is going to be insane. You know, when we talk about yeah, more more uh, more players with faster bags chasing the hole are winning. Yes, but we also look at the percentage of carpetbaggers in the league, and it's much lower. I wouldn't be surprised if it was one to ten. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Look at how heavy this load of carpetbaggers are and coming in for the rookie season. I'll start off with the Justin Burton jr. We've seen him blow up in that Texas area. I believe he won his bracket in at Worlds in the advanced division. He might've even won the first or two round. I feel like he was deep. Maybe the final four Gavin Cano carpetbagger won and open in doubles. Logan Chamberlain carpetbagger. He made some noise on the scene in the, um, in the college championship. He And that was back in uh, New Year's of Myrtle Beach. He's way better now. I've been watching him. He's way better now. Mm-hmm. Kobe Costanza, carpetbagger, also made. I believe he played Chamberlain in the finals uh, at the college championship. He's an open championship winner. Gabe Dolan. I don't know if anyone's talking about Gabe Dolan. Carpetbagger. I got to see him for the first time at Worlds. I'm really impressed with this kid. Met him for the first time. He's that kind of first in the door. Last out shutting the lights off, kind of guy. Well spoken. I really like what he's gonna do. Of course, we got the Gore twins coming in. Now, would we consider them rookies? Actually, Trey. Um, that's the a PDC good question. To yeah, figure,
1: yeah, we gotta figure out that qualification. I mean, probably, right? Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah,
0: they didn't compete the same way other pros did because they're PDC, right. so
2: right. Fisher Hamilton. Carpet bagger uh, Joe Saladiner uh, didn't know who this guy was until we were calling his matches at Worlds he went deep in singles he's also a good carpet bagger and then Ryan Wiedenfield carpet bagger we've got this load of not only carpet baggers but it feels like they're all around 18 years old so we've got this youth and this carpet baggers coming in but also players to watch for Remis just real quick on the pro side Trevor Brooks, I'm really excited at what he does next season. I liked what I saw at Spencer McKenzie. Let's not forget, we got Tyler Poitras coming back. He is definitely on the watch list. Alex Hicks on the watch list. The way Ian Cripps finished, I'll be interesting to see what he does in the next season as well.
0: All right. You guys said most of the ones I had on my list. The only couple that I didn't hear was Bobby Hunt, um i know he's gone really deep on the amateur side so i think he'll do some some good work there maybe ben brown i thought tyler porthos was impressive as well in the qualifiers um and yeah that's pretty much it but let's roll into our hot takes what do you got trey
1: all right i got i think it's pretty hot i think it's pretty hot my 2023 acl rookie of the year oh not Fisher Hamilton, not Ryan Weedenfeld. I'm going to go Logan Chamberlain as my Rookie of the Year next year.
2: Really? That That's is just, hot. It is hot. That is so hot. There are <laughs> yeah. so many good carpetbaggers. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh, I'm going to go a similar route, similar route. Rookie, not Rookie of the Year, but someone who's not really on radar. I talked about Gabe Dolan, and I think this is a huge accomplishment for him to drop into the league and be a top 50 player. He's completely off radar. No one really knows about him. You saw the list of, of rookies we were just talking about. And when you come in and you take a 50 spot, everybody's fighting for those 50 spots. To For a, a new guy like that to come in and take one, I think is a big deal. Gabe Dolan, a top 50 bagger dropping in the league.
0: All right. And I'm going with Jackson Gore, top 10 next season. Let's go, Jackson. You got it.
1: Oh, yeah. uh-huh, that's pretty that's hot too. It.
0: Yep, got to go with it. All right, guys, it has been an awesome season. Um, Thanks for an awesome show, and we'll see you guys next time.